for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 456 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week I have two great interviews with some of the best creators making books today. First up is Ron Randall from Trekker Hunter's Moon, which you can support by going to trekkerkickstarter.com. It's the latest in the terrific series of graphic novels and other stories about Mercy St. Clair, a bounty hunter, or trekker, who's a strong character as well as a great female lead. We discuss how he puts these books together, what we can expect from Mercy and Molly in this story, and what you can get when you participate in this latest Kickstarter project so worthy of your support. Then everything wraps up with the return of Brian Joins, who has a great series called Backtrack right now coming out from Oni Press. Here's how it's described. If you had the chance to fix a mistake from your past, would you take it? Allison Levy would. Guilt weighs heavy on former criminal wheelman Allison, who led an illicit life that left her shattered into pieces that would never fit together the right way again. Then she started hearing about a massive cross-country car race that grants the winner a chance to correct a single mistake in their lives. We talk about how the series came to be, who the various characters are, and what we can look forward to as the first 10-issue arc wraps up this engaging story. The first trade paperback of Backtrack is coming soon, so let your comic shop know that you want it. I highly recommend it. There's a lot to get to in this episode, so let's get on with the show. It's always an honor to talk with Ron Randall, the creator of Trekker, who has a new Kickstarter going on for Trekker Hunter's Moon and subscribed a 120-plus page sci-fi graphic novel featuring bounty hunter Mercy St. Clair. How's it going, Ron? It's just going just great, Wayne. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me on the show, too. Right off the bat, i got to congratulate you. I think <laughs> you have passed the, was it the 200% mark now? Oh, just just shy of it as we as we speak here. A couple okay. hundred bucks short of uh, doubling my initial funding goal. Um, oh, by the time this posts, I'm sure that will that will happen. So, <laughs> Let's hope. <laughs> yeah, I think it will because uh, one of the things I always appreciate about you as a as a Kickstarter person, you really take advantage of uh, of social uh, media and really get the word out. I think really effectively. So I'm I'm never surprised when you do really well in, in Kickstarter because you really. <laughs> you beat the drum, <laughs> shall we say, to get the thing going. I, you know, it, it, I, I do. I do it a lot more than some people do. I'm sure that there are people who I, I feel sorry sometimes <laughs> for the people that, um, uh, you know, that are that are um, subjected to the <laughs> the incessant stream uh, that I pour out on Twitter and Facebook, especially throughout the length of my entire campaign. Um, it's like all that I. It seems like all that I do is talk about the campaign um i do try to pepper in a few other you know uh comments uh record i'm listening to a tv show that i've seen that sort of stuff mm -hmm. but largely um yeah i'm i'm on there fairly steadily um i i think how can i put this i just don't know another way to do it i i'm not 
I'm not adept at knowing how to, you know, garner a whole lot of uh, eyes from huge platforms and that sort of stuff. I don't have anybody to do the the promotional stuff for me. Mm-hmm. And I did, before I launched my first campaign, I, I knew the, the one thing I had going for me, I might have mentioned this when we talked before, I don't know, but the one thing I think I had going for me was that I, I knew that I didn't know what I was doing. So... <laughs> I um uh, I, I was asking around some friends of mine, some colleagues who had who had run Kickstarters and picked their brains a little bit. And one one of them, uh, Tom Mandrake, a uh, guy that had gone to the Cuban School with a million years ago, mm-hmm. he said that he had actually paid a consultant and um, and uh, got some great uh, ideas and um, some sort of a procedure to follow to to help set up and run his campaign. So I did the same thing. I contacted her and, and had this conversation. And one thing that she really emphasized was that uh, I should be, you know, very present on on the. So she said you're going to have to be doing posts a lot more frequently than is going to feel comfortable, than is going to feel appropriate or right. But that's what you need to do. And since I didn't know what I was doing, and she seemed to have some ideas, I thought, well. I'll just follow that. And it was way out of my comfort zone to, to be, you know, um, to be talking about that steadily. But it seemed to work. And um, I will say the one thing that you know, I, I just devote a lot of time to it. So when I do, I try to make all my different posts have different images. And I try to have it be somewhat entertaining. I try to make a little joke or have some kind of a little terrible dad humor type of pun or something so that people aren't just hearing the same exact same message with the exact same image over and over and over again because i know how that would drive me nuts so uh, i guess i try to make it sort of like i'm live streaming streaming the event Mm -hmm. that's great i I think you do a great job you're one of the best i think out there because thanks i see some of them and i i sometimes i go oh they have a kickstarter i didn't know that but with your stuff i know and i I, i've already backed your project very proud to say thank you before we get into the new project i wanted to talk with you about the previous project because just Mm. about a week ago in Mm. my mailbox Mm -hmm. what was there but trucker the complete journey volume one (laughs) hardcover and it even has the little ribbon that i was so desperate to get so that was the thing i was pushing for i said please just whatever it takes to get the ribbon let's get that ribbon in there (laughs) so and it's there and boy it is a gorgeous volume i have to tell you it is it is lovely it is you know i had high expectations but you even exceeded those it is a beautiful beautiful book it's just oh gosh i i I, i'm loath to open it (laughs) it's so gorgeous one of the things i really liked too was this trucker timeline that came with it oh that was great because you know you and i've talked before about the fact that it's hard to know exactly what comes when and you have answered that yeah, that that problem by giving us this little lovely little flyer that is really great. I love that. Well, thanks very much. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, the, putting together that hardcover was uh, it was an ambitious task to do. Um, I, I felt that I, you know, I was sort of uh, leery or you know, intimidated by trying to take on a project that had that much larger sort of scale and scope than running a campaign for one of the new stories that are the you know, the, the, the trade paperback size. But um, all those earlier stories uh, were out of print, and uh, I just desperately felt the need to rescue them, mm-hmm. <laughs> bring them back into print. And since they'd appeared in two or three different formats in the past, I thought, well, 
rather than just bring them back in, 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 in a way we've seen them before, let's, let's try to make this a sort of a more deluxe format and, um, and, and really make it sort of, you know, the permanent sort of archival version, the definitive version, as it were, of all those stories. So the deluxe hardcover format seemed right for it. So as scary as it was to try to make that big of a reach with a campaign, it just seemed like it was the smartest way to go. And uh, I was, yeah, just like this one, I was just so so thrilled that the response was as strong as it was. Do you remember how much you asked for? Um, I think I was asking for that for like 35000 um, and what I, and it made like 58, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and frankly, that's the model that I tend to go to with, with my Kickstarters. I, I have some friends who are bolder than I am and they set their initial funding target as what it would cost them to, you know, write the stories and draw the stories and get the stories printed and get them shipped. And all four of those elements are huge, have a substantial price tag attached to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I first turned to Kickstarter, I had zero confidence that that the level of, um, of support that I would receive would allow me to hit all of those four items. Hmm. So, um, and since I had the luxury of um, of having the first book, uh, the story was already written and drawn. Mm-hmm. I ran that first Kickstarter, um, asking for what I thought it would cost me to just you know physically you know have the book printed and shipped. That, that you know to, to do that, mm-hmm. and. Um, which is fine, but I knew that as the campaigns went on, I would need to make a lot more than just that because this is theoretically it's my job. This is my career. It's not a part-time hobby. It's not a you know just something I do uh, around the edges. This is this is this is my full-time job that I need to make a living at. So I you know um, by rights I need to be asking for a lot more. Um, <laughs> fortunately, each one of my campaigns has gone on to greatly exceed that initial funding goal. Um, and it's only by hitting those stretch goals where some of that money goes to producing a stretch goal, but some of it also then goes to start paying me back for the months that it takes me to write and draw the books and to run the campaign and to fulfill the campaign. So, yeah, that's that's the model that I worked under. I haven't been brave enough <laughs> to set a super high goal because uh, I know that my heart isn't strong enough to be there on like the thirtieth <laughs> day of a campaign, and I still have you know seven or ten thousand dollars to go. Yeah. I, I, it, it would kill me. Yeah. So um, that's uh, the, yeah. the the daily heart attack. That's, that's what they call it. you. Log on and nobody has <laughs> pledged that day. Yeah, exactly. It's and like you, it's you like fr- a little a little stab in the chest. Yes. <laughs> But luckily, you don't have to worry about that. That's the good news is, is, is yeah. you are past that, and I'm sure by the time this post, you'll be way past the 200% mark. And I, I'm looking forward to these good things. I, the good news is, is we, the fans, get to tell you we enjoy this stuff, and that's how yeah. we do it. Yeah, and boy, do I feel that, too. I mean, um, when I turned to Kickstarter, uh, the reasons I did it was I felt that this was the best route that I could see to try to get my the, the Trekker stories out in a way that best served to the series. That is to say, up until then, you know, I'd, I'd been doing it through Dark Horse, and they would put out a little volume of Trekker here or a story there as, as they could sort of work it into their busy full publishing schedule. You know, Trekker wasn't like the big, you know, it wasn't the big fish in their pond. Mm-hmm. So they would accommodate it when they could. And, and it just was not not serving a series where each story is supposed to build on the previous one. And, you know, what I needed for the most to come out on a regular sort of ongoing 
basis. And um, so I turned to Kickstarter because it was what I thought would give me the best chance of doing that, and it has. The URL, the trekkerkickstarter.com. But what I didn't know <laughs> um, would happen, as has happened so much on Kickstarter, is that what you just described, that immediate sense of direct connection and interaction between the the readers, the fans, and the creator, me, um, I, I, it's substantial, it's palatable. I, I can sense that support, um, not only through the you know the the pledges that come in the campaign, but the messages, the the messages through the Kickstarter or on Facebook and Twitter, the interactions, and let alone when I go to conventions and meet the people, and it's like we have this little mini celebrations because we did it, we made a book, you know. Um, <laughs> It's it's I hadn't I had not known how how powerful that experience would be. Mm-hmm. And I, I I've taken to referring to the Trekker community, which is me and you guys. You know, it's it's because I can write and draw the stories, but they're just gonna sit there, you know, uh, and I'm gonna be amusing just myself <laughs> mm-hmm. unless unless you guys all show up and help make the book a reality, uh, which is when it only it, it doesn't mean anything when, when I create something uh, and, and it only and it, it's an audience of one for me. I mean, I'm a storyteller. My idea is I need to share my stories, mm-hmm. so it means tremendous. Uh, it's 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 essential for me to to have that connection and uh, mm-hmm. and uh, it really feels like it's a partnership. Well, believe me, we're we're happy when it happens because <laughs> we're out here waiting for the next one to come. So, which leads me right into the into the next book. I, I want to read a little bit that you put up on the Kickstarter page. Oh, and before I people always get mad at me because I don't say when it's going to end soon enough. So let me get to that. This project will only be funded, which is, it will be funded, if it reaches its goal by Thursday, October twenty nine at seven p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Right. So we are well on our way to get there, but don't wait until that time. That's not the time to do it on October the twenty ninth. Do it now. Yeah, we've already established that Ron has a weak heart. <laughs> well, you know, we, we want good stories. As long as you're making good stories and we're happy with it, then that's good. I want to read this little part that's on the thing because I think it really sums up this really well. It's going to give you a, a platform to jump from. It says, Trekker Hunter's Moon is like no trucker story I've told before. It's mercy at her most primal, most desperate, at her best. And I've never had more pure fun in creating and telling a trucker adventure. Wow, I mean that's saying something. All the trucker stories you've done so far, yeah. And this is the one you've had the most fun with. Yeah, I, I really think that's true, and it's for a couple of reasons. I think one is um, I've been doing this a long time, and I I really do. Tr- I'm one of those people who tries to get better. <laughs> I suppose most artists would say this, um, and writers uh, as I go, and and. The fact that it's been this long, protracted process of creating this entire series, where there've been years ago, there were there were year, years-long gaps between me doing stories, mm-hmm. um, which was uh, did it again terrible disservice to the series. But the the silver lining was during those times I was becoming a better writer and artist, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so that now I feel sort of much more in control and, and uh, a greater sense of confidence that I know exactly what I'm after and how to get there. So that, that makes it a more enjoyable process. Um, uh, as the stories go, go on, I, I feel a greater sense of confidence that, um, that the story that I sort of, you know, picture sort of the impressions I have in my brain, I'm going to be able to do a better job of getting them down on the paper. Yes. Uh, cause, cause, cause artists are always, we're always, 
uh, not completely satisfied with the mm. end product, but we see the flaws, and I really, you know, thought it would have more impact than that or whatever. But uh, <laughs> but I'm getting better. I hope. Um, mm-hmm. I think so. And then the other thing about it is that one reason that this is a fun story is that the last few stories have done a lot of uh, stage setting for for events that are going to be coming in the future stories, setting up um, elements and factions, and so there was sort of a certain amount of intricate world building and, and story building that 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 i had to to do mm-hmm. uh while, while also trying to tell a rip-roaring yarn because each of these stories is supposed to be just a high voltage action adventure and i tried to achieve that with each and every one of them mm-hmm. in this story uh just because of the nature of where the where the where the overall art is taking mercy uh we i had a chance to have a story where where in a way i get to sort of strip things down and it becomes very as i said in that quote that you read there's sort of primal and elemental and uh and it's just i just got to focus on an intense you know tooth and claw death match um that was protracted protracted it's a long sort of climactic battle in this story mm-hmm. um and uh it was a tremendous amount of fun it is sort of like you know it's like you do all the work and you the groundwork and then now it's time to have fun so mm-hmm. this was the story where i just tried to let her all rip and and uh pull off something that uh that that tickles a lot of my, uh, you know, or checks a lot of my boxes. Well, you have gotten better at writing the Kickstarter page too, I think, because there's a paragraph <laughs> I want to read on here that I really love how it tells us what's happening in the story. It says in Trekker Hunter's Moon, we follow Mercy and her small crew to a harsh, remote moon where they encounter a creature out of their worst nightmares. To survive, they must track it down and kill or be killed. But soon, it's an open question as to who is the hunter and who is the hunted. Mm-hmm. Mm, that that that's pretty good writing right there. <laughs> well, say. thanks. thanks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- there is a real art, I guess, to that, um, to, to sort of you know writing the pitch, as they say, you know, for, for these things. And it's you know, Lord knows, when I got into comics, I did not get into this business to sell comics. You know, you know, I got into make the comics, and I thought, well, there's there's marketing departments and promotional staffs to at the big companies which is where i started working for mm-hmm. that do those parts of the job you know and uh i just wanted to be the artist and do my little job mm-hmm. and that's that's what i still i just want to do that i just want to write my stories and tell my stories and then visit with my fans about my stories <laughs> but um but but some of the other hats that you have to take on mm-hmm. and treat seriously when you're trying to do something like this on a crowdfunding platform is you have to say, okay, now I have to be the publisher and I have to be the publicist and the marketing department mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um, and it's, it's jobs that, that frankly, I, I, I wouldn't want to do except that I love telling Trekker stories enough. Mm-hmm. It's like when you have a baby, you change the diaper <laughs> because you love that baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't give it a second thought. Of course, you're going to change the diapers. You mm-hmm. aren't. You are honored to change those diapers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, that's what makes it all. Never, it never seems like work. It's. Mm-hmm. It's. Um. You have to. I have to exert effort to do all the things. But I genuinely am so. Um. I'm so uh, uh, passionate about about sharing these stories that I've eventually even gotten. I guess pretty decent at just at, at making the pitches for them. <laughs> yeah, you know the story better than anybody. So yeah, I guess, that, hopefully. <laughs> that's a good thing about that. Now, I, I want to talk with you a little bit about this because I'm kind of curious as to what the creative process is. One of the great things about this is, as it says on the, that same page, is the story and art for this book are already done. Mm-hmm. 
So now the question I have for you, and I, I'd like to know a little bit more about how do you do it? I mean, when the story, do you come up with an outline? Do you have an idea where you want to want to go? How do you, and then, you know, you have to sit there, of course, being the writer and the artist, you could probably make little changes as you go along or something. Whoops, I should do something like that instead. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? I mean, do you outline and then draw, or do you tell, come up with a story as you're drawing? How does this go? Is it a mixture? I don't, I'm just kind of curious how you do it. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely, I absolutely start with a story outline. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, uh, when I when I've, I I said how I've gotten better at my craft. Well, when I first started Trekker, um, it, it was a long it's a long story. But basically, um, I was forced into the position of having to you know start and sort of hit the ground running with it when I only had some some sort of broad vague ideas about the overall series. Mm-hmm. Um, so I start up by telling a couple of I thought fairly simple kind of basic nuts and bolts stories. Um, that I thought I could handle, uh, even though I wanted a series that eventually had this larger scope and scale, that I, I wasn't the writer that could pull that off uh, when I first started out. Mm-hmm. So I started with small-scale stories, and I just put a few elements into those stories, thinking, I'm not sure exactly how I'll develop that, but I know I want to plant some seeds now, mm-hmm. and then evolve into the sort of a writer who can really you know, execute those ideas later. And so now, but by now, again, I've had this long time now I pretty much have the outline for the entire series mm-hmm. is um, is sketched out. Uh, as you said, I, as as the creator, as I go along, uh, if a new idea comes to me, or honestly, sometimes if 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 the characters start, <laughs> some art writers will say the characters start to tell them what they're going to do in, in a way that that can happen too. Sometimes you'll be working to say that's probably not what you know Mercy would do or how she would react there and. Uh, I guess we're going to go in a different direction. So I, I keep everything open to improvisations if, if, if some new inspiration hits along the way. Mm-hmm. But by and large, I know where I'm going. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so I start with an outline. Then I develop that into uh, over a few iterations of the outline and revisions. And I then I write a script uh, with, you know, because uh, sometimes in the outline I'll jot down a few bits of, you know, um, uh, dialogue exchange here or there, at least uh, at least a blocking and rough ideas about that mm-hmm. but eventually i need to turn that down into break it down by pages and panels mm-hmm. so i'll know how much room these, this is going to take and is that scene getting too long and bloated is it uh, is it bogging down can i cut some of that mm-hmm. do i need to make more room for a later scene um uh and, and and it's only after i've got the script to the point that i say okay if i were to hand this to another artist they they would be able to execute this story it, it, i want it all down there in, in the script first. Um, and then I work through thumbnails where I just block out little scribbly versions of each page and eventually, you know, then, then develop those through the pencils, the inks, the colors, all that stages. It's, it's a long process. Oh, you know, I guess I'd say I, I've talked to people about this in the, recently that as an artist, if you're going to draw a human body, uh, especially a figure in action or motion or something like that, but any figure you're drawing, um, you tend to start off, you're wisest to start off working from the big picture down to the small details. Uh, the artist who starts when you're a kid and you start drawing an eye because that's the most interesting, riveting thing to do. You draw an eye and then you put on an eyebrow or a nose and maybe the other eye and then the mouth. And pretty soon you fill out the page and you realize you run out of room and you don't have room for whatever, you, whatever else you want, the arms, the legs, whatever. Um, so you start off by just sketching in roughly the 
the envelope for where the figure is going to go. And then you block in the big shapes first, the, the, the torso and the, the pelvis and block in where the arms and legs are going to go. And then you work in and the details of the, the hands and the fingers and the fingernails and a circle for the head. And then you place the features in it. So you start off with the big picture mm-hmm. and then you work down towards the details. And that exact same process follows through for me on writing the stories. Mm-hmm. The outline is the big, you know, big picture. And then you refine it down to the details. That way I, I feel I can control it. Um, and, and not have anything extraneous. I, I like to say I shoot for what I call a muscular story. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no, I want there to be no fat. Um, that doesn't mean that it's just breakneck. In a, you know, blast full speed ahead with no time for mm-hmm. introspection and character mm-hmm. development and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But, but, but I don't want anything extraneous. Everything that's there should be there for a reason. Should help to build and enrich the story in the world. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that that's how I go about it. It's funny you you mentioned that, and you reminded me of a picture that I saw, and I won't mention the artist's name, but it was a drawing of the Enchantress. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm sure when I looked at it, the legs were half the body. <laughs> I remember looking at it and thinking, that is, she's got the longest legs I've ever seen. And the, it almost looks like, well, you know, I won't speak, but it looked to me like he had drawn the legs first and suddenly, <gasps> I've only got that much space. Let me put the rest <laughs> of the body in there. And, and, and I just, I thought, boy, I wish I, somebody would have given that person an eraser. It would have been a wonderful thing because I, I still to this day, every time somebody talks about those sorts of things, I always, I, I'm drawn back to that picture and thinking, right. <laughs> that's not how you do it. I mean, you you do it right, I think. You, you do the whole picture and then get into the details and stuff. Now, I do know other, I will say, I know other writers who um, who have described that they will write a story where they... They, do, they, they sort of start off and sort of, as you said, sort of the, the phrase that can be used is sort of make it up as you go along. But if you're an, if you're an accomplished writer, mm-hmm. um, that isn't what's really going on. With an accomplished writer, uh, what's really going on is somewhere in their brain, even if it's on a sort of an, a, 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 what has become sort of almost an instinctive level, mm-hmm. they have a rough template. You know, they have a they have a sense of the shape and a form of the story so they can start working on it. And as they go along, some part of their brain is saying, OK, now it's time to move to X, Y or Z, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it isn't it isn't always just because two writers may start off saying they're making it up as they go along. One of them may really be doing that. And they're probably going to wind up with some mistakes, some missteps, some detours, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um and so the story is going to have a certain meandering tone to it. And the other one, it's going to be, again, that sort of focused, well-constructed, powerful story that where every element builds and adds to the next one. Um, I'm not confident enough to be able to to take it on the – it's like a, 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 a jazz improvisationalist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not ready to leap off of that, mm-hmm. <laughs> leap off of the abyss. I like to pretty much you know, have, have the landmarks laid out for me before I get there. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's good. Now, the thing I always like to talk with you about, and I think it's something worth talking about, is your main character, Mercy. Mm-hmm. I'm always fascinated by her evolution as a character. You know, uh, uh, I think over time, you've done really amazing things with her. And I'm, I'm just kind of fascinated. You know, now that I've got all those early books, I'm going to pull them back out again and, 
and go through mm-hmm. all the thing and watch her evolution. What is this book going to do for the character as far as like, you know, you're talking about her being a badass and talking about her, you know, <laughs> being more brutal and stuff like that. What is this book going to show us about her character? How is she going to grow in this book from your perspective? Um, I th- hopefully in a couple of ways. Yeah, it's just, it's it's awkward because I, I'm so um, I'm so deathly averse to to, to spoilers. spoilers. Yeah. Um, but um, so uh, gosh, but uh, at the risk of spoiling, because I want to try to do a, a you know a, a, make a good-hearted effort at answering your question. Okay. Um, so Mercy has you know she's she's come up as a bounty hunter. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, she she's a young woman, and like a lot of people who are young. Um, you know, when we're young, we often uh, we sort of tend to see the world as this two-dimensional black and white world. You know, this is good and that's bad. Uh, you do this, you don't do that. Um, I'm interested in this, I'm not interested in that, whatever it is. And Mercy at the beginning is very much that way. She wants to be this sort of implacable, you know, sort of killing machine. She shoots people and she gets paid for it. That's that's an arrangement that's straightforward. She understands it. Um uh, the only problem is she, you know, as time goes on, as most of us find out, the world has a way of chipping us open <laughs> mm-hmm. and exposing uh, our raw spots and uh, life becomes a lot messier than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a process overall that, that Mercy's on. And um, I'm hoping that one thing that she's she's coming to gradually realize is that that um, that sort of lone wolf, implacable sort of Terminator um, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, model that that in some way she's been going for, um, that ain't going to cut it. That's not really sustainable. Not mm-hmm. for the stage uh, that she is being called to step onto. Um, if, when she was just living in her dumpy little apartment in the middle of the, the New Gallup, the city on Earth that she's from, she could have that sort of little modest, you know, eking out an existence sort of life, and, and but but she's no longer there. For mm-hmm. for a lot of things that have happened in the last several stories, she has sort of been pulled out from that, mm-hmm. and and she's being forced to to step on to a larger, more complicated world where, um, where where going it all on your own, it's just not it's just not doable. Mm-hmm. So um, so she's realizing connections. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's sometimes realizing that sometimes you got to have plans that include other people. Mm-hmm. Um, she's she's <laughs> she's she's far from being what you'd call the ideal team player at this point, mm-hmm. but but she's maybe starting to have her eyes open a little bit to um, to some ways in which you know the the biggest badass around uh, isn't isn't as good as a group of badasses. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I guess it's maybe one way to put it. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one thing that I hope to. Um, to be nudging her towards and also just sort of deepening and enriching her relationship with, with Molly. The, mm-hmm. the first, the first real meaningful, I'd say and profound, um, intimate relationship mm-hmm. she's had in her adult life. And, um, those of us who have been there <laughs> mm-hmm. realize that, uh, that has a tendency to sort of bust down a lot of those inner walls, sometimes in ways that are terrifying, sometimes in ways that are exhilarating, but definitely mm-hmm. in ways that make you feel like, more like you're a human being um, mm-hmm. with all that that means so um, I don't know maybe that's maybe that's enough to say about that without giving away too much that sounds good yeah I think that's pretty good because I love the character I think that she is uh, you and I've talked before I'm a big on female lead characters that are interesting because mm-hmm. I just don't think they're nearly explored enough and I think uh, Mercy is one of those great characters that if, if somebody wants to know how to do a woman lead character right read this book this will show you how you do it. 
because really just she is one of those great characters and i it doesn't mean that the people around her are 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 uninteresting they are mm-hmm. they're very interesting but you know she as a lead person is she just makes everything around her more interesting to me just well thanks i mean that's i mean it's her book and that's uh you know that's uh I think this is that type of a story where, where she's the lead character and that, yeah, it's sort of her job <laughs> to drive the action. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am trying to make sure that the, 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 the supporting cast, the other characters are, you know, are compelling in their own rights. But, but, you know, um, it's, it, it, you've got to get the balance right on the, on that, that mix. Uh, mm-hmm. and earlier on in the story when she was much more of a lone wolf, um, the, the, the supporting cast was much more just the supporting cast. But again, as the series goes on and some of these other characters are going to start to play, um, you know, more, bigger roles in the overall things because, you know, the stuff that Mercy's not going to be able to do. Um, I'm trying to be attentive to that too. And, 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 um, bring those characters, you know, flesh those characters out a little bit more so that they can be substantial enough to play the roles that they're going to have to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, from the very beginning, I, I, my, my, my primary goal in, in, in doing this series was was to make a character that was as sort of real and believable and compelling as I could possibly do. Um, because I know those are the stories that that really hold me the most. Um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm not all that impressed when I read a story that has really clever plot twists or high concept ideas. Those are, you know, nice and impressive little intellectual feats. But I want a story that hits me in my heart, <laughs> mm-hmm. and that means a connection to character. And uh, so that's you know that I that's always been my primary focus is you know is making making the characters work and the dynamics between them and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then everything else is everything else is in a way sort of in service of that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's gripping storytelling. I just have to say I, I you know I love to read them when there's a new story out. And I was going to look. I was trying to see when this this book is going to come out. When are, is this going to be sent to us? Have you said that? Um, yeah. Every time you run a, a Kickstarter campaign, they ask you to um, to um, to declare an, an estimated delivery time. And mm-hmm. so I'm I'm shooting for April. Oh, shooting for April. Uh, and I, I know um, the other trade paperbacks that I've done in the past, the new volumes have. Um, that's worked out. You know, we get the campaign done, and again, since the, the work on this thing is largely done, the, the main story is completely done. I have a little thing, a few things to do on the backup story, and assemble some of the end, the the, um, the extra content stuff. Because when I launched the campaign, I didn't know if we were going to hit the stretch goals to do all that stuff. But uh, yeah, the time frame should work out. Oh, good. Well, I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be that'll be a nice spring gift coming my way i'm looking forward to that i wanted to talk a little bit about the successes you've had the the all gones shall we say (laughs) yeah there are several things one of the things i one day i swear i'm going to have the money to be able to do it you had a level for 500 dollars or more that were big game hunters there were five available and this is a case when you draw that person into the book right and all five of those are gone (laughs) That is, they, I, know, I find it amazing. I, yeah, they, um, it's great. They tend to go kind of fast, um, <laughs> and uh, there are there are some backers who um, who really who really like that. Well, there's so there's two things about it. Number one, yes, I, I will draw you in 
in a Trekker story, and you'll see it in print. And then the other thing is, you will get the page of original art that you appear on uh, in the story, which is it's significant uh, in a couple of ways. I mean, it's a piece of original comic book art, which is always kind of a cool physical artifact. But 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 also, uh, it's worth perhaps worth noting that I do not sell any Trekker original art. Um, the only original Trekker art that is out there are that, that's from any of the books are these pages mm-hmm. where you appear on it with mercy in a story. Um, uh, the only other original Trekker art that I do, um, that I do let go of are, you know, commissions. People, you know, pay me to draw a picture of mercy for them. That's, mm-hmm. that's one thing, but the printed stuff is all, uh, it's all, I still have all of that stuff. I hoard it like Smaug holds, hoards his gold. Of <laughs> um, and I guess one other thing to say about that is that, as I said, the um, the, the 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 Hunter's Moon story is done, but in each of these graphic novels, I also have a, a second story, sometimes even a third story. These are shorter, you know, sort of backup stories um, that are part of the continuity of Trekker, and I hope flesh out and enrich the overall, you know, world and the other characters, and explore some more of the relationship things and that sort of stuff um, that that I didn't find room for in the main story but i still feel are fun cool things to do so those stories i i wait and finish those after the campaign is over so that i have a place to draw the characters into the story where they can be integrated into the story not just sort of um you know drop their face over a character here there so that's uh that's that's the way that goes I, i gotta ask you have you ever drawn yourself in one of these stories um oh no that's not true i was gonna say no but that's not true there was uh, a story i did called sins of the fathers which uh was um at least part of mercy's for lack of a better phrase her origin story mm-hmm. mercy as a young girl and um her father was a police officer who uh <laughs> who who had misfortune befall him, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I used myself as the model for, uh, <laughs> for Mercy's dad, which seemed kind of appropriate. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I find that funny. So that, that's cool. Now, you did mention the commissions, and you had 12 commissions available, and they're all gone too. And there's one more thing that you had only five available of, and those are your name or that of your best friend or worst enemy appears in the book on a sign or object or in text. Mm-hmm. See, I find that that's another great fun thing. Is is this also these also when they are in the, like a secondary story? Well, those um, mostly will be in the secondary story, but it's it's also possible that if it's like um, if it's somebody's name, I might find a way to slip that into like the dialogue in the main story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Um, that one I have a little more elasticity. If it's the name that's on, I don't have a whole lot of signage in Trekker, um, but uh, there's sometimes when there might be the name of a, a ship or something, or um, um, on a crate there could be some names. So I can I can I can I can sort of plant those at some place throughout the book, sort of as little Easter eggs for people to find. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, oh, one thing I should mention that you mentioned the commissions and mm-hmm. those were all gone, and that's true. I, I so I have two sorts of commissions. I have uh, watercolor commissions, mm-hmm. and then just sort of black and white commissions that I use a little ink wash on to give it a little grayscale to it as well. Um, and so I set the, the those ink wash commissions, I call them, and I had twelve of those. And you're right, those those went very quickly. So mm-hmm. 
um, I, I made a, I made a second uh, flight or whatever, a second level of those available. So there are still a few of those slots, at least as we're having this conversation, a few <laughs> of those slots are still available, but, um, but they do tend, they have been, they have been very popular on this campaign. Yeah, they, they, you know, let's let's hope they're still there when this posts on Sunday morning. Let's <laughs> right. Those people will be good for that. So this is a great thing. I I, I really do enjoy this. I, I wanted to, again, your writing on this just got me. I wanted to read a little more. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great way to sum it up. You, you, you said, I want Trucker Hunter's Moon to be a high-quality product that we can all be proud of. And I want it to be a story that makes you want to read more about Mercy St. Clair because I have more stories to tell. And this is the best approach I can think of to keep making. And then you have a little uh, things more trucker more often. <laughs> yeah, that's my hashtag. <laughs> yeah, I find that kind of funny stuff. I, that, that's good. You know, when hashtags invade even all these kind of things, you know, they're, they're, they're popular. So that's kind of cool stuff. I, I, I think you are well on your way to doing these for a long time. I have to ask though. I mean, do you know what the end of the of the Mercy story is going to be? Do yeah. you know where we're heading to? I do. the the, the only uh, The only proviso I put on that is that uh, I know exactly where uh, I see this series ending as of now. But or and that is years down the road. And if Mercy and Molly tell me otherwise, then you know I might have to change it. But um, no, I mean when I when I first created the series i knew in broad strokes that that mercy was going to have to that the, the climax of the series is going to have to be one of two sorts of endings but i didn't have the elements down to um to figure out what the resolution was going to be um but by now i've had enough time and i've lived with these characters and this world and this overall story long enough that i um i'm pretty clear on where i'm going and how to get there um so unless 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 something surprises me in the middle of the story, <laughs> um, I've got a pretty good handle on where we're going. I'm, I'm, I'm frankly, it's, it's, um, I feel so blessed, so really lucky because I am very excited to share that final story with people, mm-hmm. and I'm also very, very excited to take a long time in getting there <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because I am having. There's no question. This is for me the most rewarding and enjoyable and fulfilling time in my entire career. Mm-hmm. Um, is to be able to just devote myself to telling each of these stories and trying to make each one, you know, sort of its special own little, little, little gem, its own little um, type of a story. And um, I'm enjoying the journey far, far too much to to be in a hurry to have it come to an end. Put it that way. Well, we can tell I, I, when, we, <laughs> when we read it. It's such good storytelling and such compelling characters and i just i don't know what you're going to do and i love that as a long time <laughs> reader and so uh are there I, I know this keeps you busy but are there other things that you're doing that we should be aware of um boy you know really um at, at this point not so much i have uh you know i've been uh when i first started doing these stories i was I was still taking on a certain number of outside uh, jobs, little story for, you know, DC or something here or there and some uh, commercial jobs. Um, and I still do a little bit of that, but, but uh, fortunately my, my game plan, my, my vision all along was to, uh, if the Kickstarters grew in their success and the audience expanded, the trucker community got bigger and mightier, then I could, uh, then I could afford to, you know, to, um, Turn down a lot of those uh, those offers and really focus and concentrate the the vast majority of my time and effort on Trekker. So, fortunately for me, that's where I am right now. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. So uh, this is uh, this is pretty much what I want people to. I, I, when I when I first created Trekker, uh, uh, I, I like I said I, as I've said, I was I was uh, in a position where I was able to sort of create my dream project, and I said at that time I said if this is the thing that I wind up being, you know, most known for in my career. I will make that deal in a second, and uh, so I'm doing what I can to make to make that true. Not that I haven't, you know, had a great time drawing, you know, you know, Supergirl or Wonder Woman and mm-hmm. Swamp Thing and Predator. I've, I've I've had a lot of fun on a lot of comics, mm-hmm. um, but uh, but nothing comes anywhere near the the thrill it is to be able to take this story that's so personal to me and these characters, um, and have them get this 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 reception that that it's getting. It's just uh, it's the best. <laughs> well, I am so happy for you because not every person gets to reach this place, and I, I'm just yeah. so glad for you that you got that. That's good for us, too, because we get to see it and read it and support it, so it's just mm. a, a wonderful thing. Um, are there uh, social media places? We talked about social media. How do people follow you on social media? Uh, well, on tw- I'm on Twitter. It's uh, just at uh, Ron underscore Randall. Um, uh, you can find me on Facebook. I'm I'm one of the Ron Mandels on Facebook. I'm the one that makes comic books. So it should be pretty easy to find me there. I'm I'm there all the time, especially when I'm in the middle of one of these campaigns. It's uh, it's hard to miss me. And I'm on Instagram. Uh, my my account there is Randall Shots. So um, <laughs> those are the best social media places to find me. Um, and uh, if uh, if people do, um, uh, as I as I say to the people that back the campaigns, uh, uh, apart from you know you know supporting the book uh with your dollar pledges um just you know uh, mentioning it on social media mentioning it to your friends uh, you know th- that word that spreading it by word of mouth uh is the is, i think it's the most powerful way to go if if, if somebody reads trekker and uh gets a kick out of it you know finds it finds it meaningful whatever uh and they mention it to a friend of theirs well you just can't beat that yeah that that kind of endorsement so mm-hmm. Um, and on social media, that that turns into shares and likes and comments and, and that sort of stuff. So that's how we'll find out what the next Trekker book is going to be about, right? Um, well, probably not. I, 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 I again, I, I, I uh, dislike spoilers, so mm-hmm. um, you know that's that, that's not entirely true. Yeah, I, I, I let little things slip here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm. I'm it's not that I'm trying to be coy exactly, but you know, like I said, I, I, I myself, I know that, um, like when I go in to see a movie, mm-hmm. I don't really want to know much about that movie before I get there. I figure mm-hmm. the the storytellers, mm-hmm. they, it's their job, their career, and their passion is mm-hmm. for me to experience their story the way that they want it to be experienced. Mm-hmm. And if I go in knowing that, oh, the climax of the story is. You know, uh, you know, Darth Vader was Luke's father. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, mm-hmm. that's then it's clever, and I'm in the know, but it ruins the storytelling of mm-hmm. it. So I really do try to keep that stuff pretty much under wraps. What I will say is that if I, my my goal with each character story is that 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 it will feel familiar in that you know it, they're all they have they have science fiction. Elements to them, action to them. Mercy, Saint Clair is always mercy. She's gradually evolving, but she's always mercy. Mm-hmm. So there's familiar aspect to it, but but I try to make the setting of each story um, different. Uh, mm-hmm. This story is set on this raw, blasted, primal world, and the the color palettes tend to be sort of spooky green and mm-hmm. bluish things. 
the previous story was on this blasted battlefield. So mm-hmm. it was like these warm colors and a, and a whole different tone and atmosphere there. Mm-hmm. So I try to, because of the nature of the premise of the series, I can sort of move through these different settings, which keeps it interesting for me mm-hmm. and hopefully um, gives the readers that that sweet balance where there's a certain amount of elements that seem familiar, you know, and there's mm-hmm. a continuity to the series, mm-hmm. but there's also sort of a little fresh flavor <laughs> with mm-hmm. each of the stories. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Well, that's what we're looking forward to. I mean, the, the only reason I asked that question is because I'm, I, as much as I'm looking forward to this one, I am ready for the next one whenever you're ready to tell us. <laughs> we're looking well, forward um, to that. Yeah, I, uh, the, the next one is... Uh, I've got the I've got the outline for it uh, that I'm that I'm developing. I know I know you know the broad strokes of what's going to happen in it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, but uh, but I do uh, you know I uh, still have some work to do on that one. But uh, yeah. uh, the, the 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 plan is that this book gets done and it gets out, and shortly after the, this book gets out, that's when the next Kickstarter is going to happen. Uh, yeah. I really I really do. Um, I'm devoting myself to this, and with the support that I'm getting, I'm going to be able to do that. Uh, Fingers crossed, knocking wood that that, mm-hmm. that the that the prevailing winds <laughs> keep going in this direction, um, well, and then I'll just keep making these books on a steady, regular basis for us all. Great. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping you hit 300. percent That's what I'm I'm hoping. <laughs> well, uh, that would uh, I'd be uh, doing handsprings <laughs> if we get I to hope, that point. <laughs> I hope we do because I I you know these books are so good and they're so worth it. That I just, you know, I want just to be a big success, and I just want to go. As long as you have good stories to tell and you want to do it, we'll be here, ready to to buy them and support it. Believe me. No, thanks so much, Wayne. That's that's it's great to hear. That's you know, no creator of these sort of comics could possibly uh, want to hear anything anything other than that. So thank you so much. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne, as a man. I'm flesh and blood, I can be ignored, I can be destroyed, but it's a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast, so you can keep reading your comics. It's great to welcome back to the podcast. It's been a little while, but Brian joins one of the people behind Krampus, which I really enjoyed. But I have to say that uh, other people don't seem to remember that. They remember Secret Identities and Imagine Agents. So how you doing, Brian? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, given the way, I don't know, basically the entire world is going, I seem to be doing all right. Well, I have to tell you, ever since the, the, the pandemic hit, I am suddenly busier than ever because people discover they need proofreaders. Okay. So so I'm a proofreader, so that's what I'm doing. So anyway, I, that's what I'm up to. But what we're here to talk about, really, to, to this time, is you have a book that's out now from Oni Press called Backtrack. And I see it described as, as Backtrack takes readers on a car race through time. That's what the Hollywood Reporter said back a ways back. So why don't you describe for people what uh, Backtrack's about? Sure. So the basic idea is it's a rally car race where every leg of the race is run in a different period of history. 
And if you win the race, you have the chance to go back and correct one mistake you've made in your life. So it's a bunch of damaged, broken characters um, represented by our main character, Allison, who's a uh, getaway driver who suffered a tragedy on one of her jobs. Um, So basically it's all these broken, damaged people, you know, out racing dinosaurs and avoiding Vikings to try to uh, get a shot at redemption. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Trying to uh, correct something bad that's gone wrong in their life. Apparently. Yes. That's happened. So, uh, and of course who wouldn't like that? I mean, I would, I would love to be able to go back and change a couple things. Oh, but, sure. uh, it's really, really great. I, I love the concept. Where'd the concept come from? Um, you know, it all started with, <laughs> so I have, a, I have a friend who's also named Allison, who the main character is, you know, named after, mm-hmm. um, she and I have a standing date to go see every Fast and Furious movie that comes out. And we went and saw, I believe this was probably probably the sixth one or the seventh one. And, you know, they're, they're just getting more ludicrous as they go along. Um, no, no pun intended, since ludicrous is an actor in those movies. But... Um, he uh, so the first movie was them basically what selling stolen Blu-ray players out of the trunk of their cars, and in the most recent one they were out riding a Russian sub across the ice. <laughs> so so we we were having a conversation after seeing one of the more recent ones, and we got to talking about where could this go after this? I mean, what are they going to do next? And I made the joke of I can't remember if I, if I actually said like put him on Jurassic park or something like that. But you know, dinosaurs are, you know, people are talking about putting him in space right now and everything like that. But, uh, but I, I'd made some crack about probably put him on Jurassic park where there are running dinosaurs. And it's one of those things you say, that's just kind of like a throwaway joke and you don't really think about it, but then you do kind of think about it for a little bit and you're kind of like, well, what if, what if there was like a car chase thing involving dinosaurs? And then that became, well, what if it was a race? Because, you know, I, I grew up watching, you know, like I was the right age to go see like Cannonball Run in the theaters and stuff like that. And my uh, my grandfather had shown me one of the staples of my childhood was watching um, a movie called The Great Race when I was a kid with mm-hmm. uh, Tony Curtis, Jack Lemmon, Natalie Wood. So I kind of had this predisposition for wanting to do a racing kind of thing. And so this kind of fed into that. But then when I figured out the idea of the redemption angle where everyone, someone can go back and correct a mistake, I feel like that was something that it's, that's kind of a universal thing. Like we said earlier, um, everyone has done something they regret and something they'd like to, you know, make up for if they had a chance to do it again, they would do something differently. And, you know, the the scope of what the people in the book are facing is a lot greater than probably what our general lives would be. You know, like I should have should have been nicer to someone or something like that. But yeah, it, so so once I once I found that angle, it really kind of all came together, and I started to put together the uh, the pitch and started showing it around. Cool, cool. And only press, I guess, picked it up. Looks like, and uh, so it's been going. Down. Now, this is—is is it a twelve-issue miniseries? It's a ten. It's a ten, 10. issue. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah I, most, actually, um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
Well, most of them are, uh, you know, they're 12 issues. And so I kind of get a kick to the 10. That, that's something a little different. Yeah, it's it, it's been an interesting uh, kind of, you know, I, I in my mind, I had a four issue version of this and I had like a 12 issue version of this. I had a I had an ongoing version of this. So uh, it was originally Lion Forge who signed up for it. And then when Lion Forge and Oni merged, Oni took it and ran with it. Hmm. But so Oni or excuse me, Lion Forge said 10 issues. And I was like, all right. I mean, you know, I, I can work with that. So uh, so it's been it's been fun. Um, yeah. And I actually just just last week um, did the final draft of the final issue. So aside from. Aside from reviewing art and colors and letters for the last couple issues, my I'm pretty much done with it now. I just wrapped it up, so I'm a little so there's still a little melancholy involved with it. You know, I've been living with it since probably 2018. So wow, yeah, that feels funny, doesn't it? When 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 you actually wrap a story like this up, you get this really weird sensation. I mean, I I wrote a, a Star Trek fan film script. And uh, when we got to the end and the thing was finally no longer in my head, but down on the page, I had this weird feeling, you know, it's just this odd sensation to have it somewhere else instead of in my, in my skull. And so, you know, I, I don't know if you get that when you do stuff, especially an extended storyline like this one. I mean, it, it's got to evoke some kind of emotions. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, it's, I know as, as I went issue by issue, you know, especially at the beginning in the middle, it was kind of like, okay, so now this one's done. Look for the next one. But it's been a constant in my life for, you know, nearly, well, over, over two years now, over two years. Um, so, so, you know, just interacting with my editor and inter and interacting with the, uh, with the creative team. And so there's not a, I mean, the editor and I will still be, talking for another month and a half or so like i said but um mm -hmm. but there's not going to be anything new to generate and that at least not now i'm hopefully hopefully it'll lead to more um more volumes of it down the road but um but yeah so it, it's just this kind of it's kind of vacancy right now and you know and i don't i don't have anything confirmed set up to follow follow up with it yet so i have a couple things that could or could not go but uh so it's just like oh okay so i guess i've got a lot more time on my hands now so, uh, what do i do with that i mean i, I and I've, I've got some plans but uh but yeah it, it's it's just it's very odd it's very odd and it's it's just kind of i you know i'm not a parent but i can kind of it's kind of like sending your kids off to school. I would have to imagine, you know, it's just this thing, this, this constant presence that is now no longer there. Right. Right. Cause it's something different, you know, when your children have gone off somewhere else and left you. <laughs> so it's a different thing now, but yeah, you're right. You could always do a backtrack too. Yeah. I mean, hopefully um, I know, I know Oni is very happy with the book. I know that um, they are really excited for the trade, um, which comes out next month. They think that's going to hit really strongly. And, um, and if it, hopefully it will, and hopefully it'll warrant doing more because I definitely, definitely have 
ideas for at least another couple volumes. So we'll see where that goes. Cool. Well, the thing to do, of course, at this point is we're going to get into the story a lot more. But uh, if if you're listening and you haven't read Backtrack, or even if you have, the thing to do now is to get a hold of that trade paperback because often companies will look at those sales and they'll determine whether they want to do more of it based on how the current run is going. So is there a subtitle for the, the trade uh, no, just just backtrack. Backtrack volume one. Okay, so yeah, so it'll be out and they'll be coming out in November. Of course, it's uh, they probably had to get their orders in a little before this, but you can always tell people that you want to have it, and they can get it, get in touch with Diamond and let people know that they that people are looking for that trade and they they need some copies of that. So that's the thing to do. Let them know that. So now the the one thing I'm interested in because this experience of yours is different because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. How did the pandemic affect Backtrack? Well, um, not not well. <laughs> um, um, you know, the the first issue came out in I want to say February and. Um, it got a lot of really good press. Um, Pat Oswald tweeted about it. Um, and we had pretty good sales. And then issue two came out, I want to say the week, the week before everything shut down. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, but there was enough, there was enough fervor building about the idea of shutting down at that point that it kind of, it, it definitely impacted sales. I mean, you know, sales from issue one to issue two always drops. That's just the nature of the industry. Right. But, but you could tell, you could tell like people were that it took a, it took a real hit. And, you know, I had people asking me like come on a couple months later, it's like, Hey, when's number two coming out? I'm like, number two was out a month ago. And so, yeah, it was just, it just, you know, Obviously, everything kind of got swallowed up by the by the pandemic and the shutdown, and as well it should. You know, there are certainly much more important things going on than than my silly little book. But you know, you got to also look at it a, a little bit like a, at a personal level. Like, well, that kind of sucks, you know. But mm-hmm. um, but you know, it's it's slowly kind of started making a comeback. More people are noticing it. I've seen more people talking about it and kind of wondering why other people aren't reading it and trying to sway their friends to read it and not, not to beat a dead horse, but I, but I think the, the universal opinion is that the trade is really going to help to, you know, put the book back on the map where it was kind of starting to go before all this hit. Did the individual issues come out late? Is that what happened with the physical issues? Yeah. I mean, I think, well, I, I believe you, I believe kind of universally the entire industry just didn't do anything for for a couple months. Um, yeah, like so issue seven just came out this week. So if issue one came out in February and issue seven came out this week, you know that should only be like a what a five five or six month turnaround, but it's been considerably longer than that. So. Mm. What's interesting is that, you know, because I I write reviews and so I get some uh, like PDFs and digital files of it. And I think the digital one for number 12 just came out, it came my way. 
So if I, unless I'm mistaken, I, I, I can maybe I'm wrong. I think maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is number seven. I can take a quick glance and and look back, back. Yep, number seven. You're right. I was going to say if think. it's number twelve, then someone's written two more issues than I have. Yeah. And I <laughs> As my bad. I'm just. Kidding. <laughs> the interesting thing about it, though, is that you know it, it, every book now has to kind of work their way back. And I think the fact that the tray is coming out, you're right, is going to be a big plus because if people didn't read it before, if they lost track of it uh, in the process, now at least they can get the story and catch on with it. Because it's it's got how many issues in the trade? Five? Five issues. Yeah. So, yeah. so there'll be two volumes of this first series. And, you know, issue five, we fortunately left it on like a pretty – pretty strong cliffhanger that will be the end of the trade as well so hopefully people will read and be like well you know i gotta find out what happens next you know that's right. so, now what that's my yeah. favorite thing now what but um see I'm, I'm kind of interested because some companies carried their stuff on through when they came out digitally but i guess yours didn't yours kind of stopped when the when the when things were no longer processing and then they 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 just kept the things going when the digital copies came out they matched the physical copies i think i think so i mean i i'm not i don't know the inner workings of oni so i can't really speak to that but i mean it seems it seems like i i would have i mean there was there was a little bit of a work stoppage too not not extreme or anything so it you know suddenly i had a lot more time to <laughs> a lot more time to hit deadlines than i did before so so I think I think yeah I think they just probably wanted to keep it uniform uh, trade or digital with um, hard copy. Not everybody did that, but you know we're, we're we're feeling our way along with all these good things. So good. So when is issue number ten scheduled to come out then? Um, issue number ten, I believe. Let's see if seven dropped now. Then oh, basic math, you cruel mistress. Um, I would say. <laughs> I would say probably uh, probably January at this point. Okay, okay, that's an interesting time to go. So uh, ten issues come out in about twelve months. Yeah, so that's about well. You know, I hate to say it, this is going to be one of those asterisk years. Oh sure, uh, sure. strange and wonderful things happened this year because of uh, the pandemic and stuff. But uh, it, it's a great story. I really enjoy it, and I want to talk some about the characters. Uh, so you were saying Allison is based? Is she completely based on this friend of yours, or is are there parts of her that you kind of added to to make the story? The way it oh, goes. I, I, I definitely, I definitely added parts to that character. Um, yeah, I mean, my my friend Allison, she is, she's definitely a lot more upbeat and a lot more high on life, and uh, not nearly as jaded or bitter as the character we see in the comic. Um, now, if if she had suffered a personal tragedy, I don't know, but to my knowledge, she hasn't endured anything too terrible in her life. So. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. she's an interesting character, and you know, I it, it doesn't right away explain who she is, which I really like. You know, it takes a little while for it to to to, to kind of come in, to where we understand who she is and why she is the way that she is. And I like stories that do that. I get to care about the person, and then suddenly you get a, a chance to find out why they are the way they are. Right? Was that? Was that the way you planned it? I mean, did you want her to be – because she's the one we latch on, I think, the most, especially at the beginning. Yeah, she um, definitely. She She's definitely our entry point character. Um, and, 
you know, I, I, I like the idea of kind of a, a slow burn as far as, as far as revealing what she's really about. Um, kind of similarly, you know, there were, there were some criticisms of the book where people were saying, well, you introduced all these characters, you know, they're, a lot of them are kind of stock characters. We don't really know anything about them. We don't, we don't know how to care, you know, we don't care about them. And my, my thought towards that was, well, yeah, it's a race where people are going to die. So you have a bunch of stock characters that you need to like whittle through. And then, then you're left with the people you're going to care about and you learn about them as you go along that journey. So, and Allison's definitely, so um, definitely the character who, it is. It is her story. It is her book. We, there are a couple. There are a couple. Um, a couple side roads we take. Um, not to drive the metaphor home any further, but um, but um, the um, but yeah, she's she's definitely my my. I've talked to people about this before, and really, this this entire series is kind of like, what if you know, like. Cadillac and dinosaurs, or xenophobic, Zeno, or xenoic tales—is that the the old mm-hmm. one? Yeah. Um, as a, as a means of group therapy, that's mm. that's that's my. You know, it's like she's a damaged person. This race will help her put her on put her on the path to healing, but it's just a path that's filled with time anomalies and you know, evil evil people from the future kind of thing. So. Yeah, that's one of the questions I had. Though was juggling all these different people because you know how many people start out in the race? Um, thirteen. Thirteen, and of course we're going to have one winner. I, I imagine when we get down to the bottom. So we've lost on the average about one every issue or so. Yeah, well the the first the first issue you had three that get taken out right away in the first in the first thing. So really, really we're looking at ten characters to start with. Um, once you once you get the 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 easy kills right off the bat, so yeah, so um, so ten characters and yeah, over the course of over the course of the seven issues that are out now, we're now down to we're down to six contestants. I want to say six contestants and seven characters because one of them has a has a driver because she doesn't drive. She's she's the rich one, so she has a chauffeur who's doing it for her. She, she's kind of funny, I have to say. Oh, you know, the, the way that she looks at things, and you know, the driver, of course, has to put up with her impatience, shall we say, at times. Right. Which right. I find funny because you know, here she is, kind of calling the shots from behind, and yet the poor driver has to do all these things that she wants done, <laughs> and it isn't always easy. <laughs> no, no. Which I liked. I, I, she was one of my favorites, but the one that I have really latched onto in the last couple of issues is Jackson. Mm-hmm. I, I, we didn't know his story early on. And so I wasn't quite sure what, he, what was the deal when we find out his backstory, it was an issue six. Um, yeah, five? the review was in issue five and then issue six, we get the fuller story. Yeah. Wow. I, wow. I, I was stunned by that because that was I did not expect that I, when something can surprise me like that I really love that in the story and that's what got me I just literally now when I look at him I feel tremendous sympathy for him for for the stuff that that's and I'm not going to spoil this in any way because this is something that is a really important to me really important part of the story 
is why he's in the race and what his motivations are and stuff like that. It's right. Wow. It's, I was really surprised by that. I, that one was a great one. Cause you know, I, he doesn't look like somebody that, well, he looks more like an average person than this, than we find out. Maybe that's the way to say it because I, I don't want anybody to, to let's just say, pay attention to him. That was what I would say, because he's a character that as, as we go along, you're going to find some really amazing stuff out about him. And I just, wow. You know, it, it was a little pivot for me away from Allison to pay attention to him a little more because they're all interesting characters. I find them all, you know, I don't know what they're saying about dull characters and stuff. I don't see that at all. I found these really fun, really amazing things that are going on. And of course, you got a race. you got life and death stuff happening all around them. You know, and so for, for that, I find it interesting. But, you know, juggling all those characters, I mean, did you, when you came up with Jackson, you came up with all these ones, did you like, how, how did you come up with the, the variety of characters that you did? You know, I, I, I just, I wanted it to be, um, I wanted it to be obviously a representation of the world we live in. So I, I wanted to make sure that it wasn't just like a bunch of, bunch of you know white dudes racing or anything like that um but also i just wanted to think you know i wanted to think about like the kind of tragedies people would suffer and then kind of extrapolate from that um and in in the in the development process it's been interesting about to me at least um that characters that were just like last minute additions suddenly play a much larger role in this and the characters that were originally designed to be, you know, significant just kind of got tossed aside. Like, uh, it's a, you know, it's a little bit of a spoiler, but, um, in the third issue, a character dies and that character was meant to be a big character. Um, you know, he had a whole, he had a whole backstory I was going to delve into. And actually there was going to be a twist involving him. That was a little more, how should I put this? Um, it was a little, it, it lent itself more towards the kind of the more deadly side of the race. But ultimately we discarded that when, uh, when the Jackson stuff started to come more into the more into prominence. And so mm-hmm. it was this, this character who, you know, I think is a cool character. I think is a fun character, but it's just when these changes happen, there really wasn't anywhere for him to go. So he, he just, he dies in a, he dies in an earthquake. Okay. Now, now see, as you're saying that I have to pull issue three out and take a look. I have to see who this person is. Cause I'm, I'm fascinated. See, I often talk with creators and they tell me the characters take on lives of their own. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't go the way you expect. They actually move in and, and some of them blossom in ways that you don't expect. And, and it sounds like that's what happened to you in this book. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, I kind of, I went in with really, I, when I went in, I went in with two characters I knew I wanted to do. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to use Allison as the focal point. Um, and then also the character of Morai. I wanted to have kind of a mysterious, figure who has done this before but why has he done it before and everything and kind of be the the wild card the the han solo-esque figure of the of the book you know and those were the those were the two i really knew i wanted to 
touch on also um the uh i'll so the character's name is lemon Mor- lemon morai and he's a tribute to uh it's kind of a shout out to my my grandpa showing me uh the great race back in the day because there's a character in the great race professor fate who's played by jack lemon and then morai was one of the fates in greek mythology so lemon morai is kind of jack lemon and Professor Fate kind of work together, so that's a little, cool. it's a little hidden gem for, for my grandpa, rest in peace, you know. So yeah, well, I looked up in three. Now I see who you're talking about. Interesting. I'm fascinating. It, it's just I'm fascinated that what would this have been like had that gone the other way? That that be funny to see, but that that just just I'm always interested in, in the creative process and how. It changes things, you know, all of a sudden these people they'll just rise up and take over. And this is, you don't plan it. It just suddenly happens. Yeah. It's the, yeah. It's such a wonderful I mean, you thing. Ha- you have, you have a, you have a, you know, you have an outline, you have a structure, you have a plan, but then, you know, just like real life plans change, something comes up, something hits, something sparks differently. And all of a sudden what was, what was the new hotness a minute ago? Suddenly, like, well, I guess, I guess we don't really have a role for him anymore, you know. Whereas, whereas um, the character of Win, the the um, the army vet who with the um, artificial limb, she was one who was like a last minute, just uh, why don't we just do this? Well, we'll we'll do that, and then and then writing her, she is she is one who really became a central part of the book without any you know, kind of sneaking up on me, you know, she, she was, it was never the plan for her to play, to play such a big role, but as things changed, she wound up being one of the primary characters. Hmm. It's so interesting to me. Now there's a couple things about this book I wanted to, to bring up. I, I'm fascinated by the fact that they take, they, they have a certain amount of race to run and then they stop. Mm-hmm. which I found really interesting. That was a good way to give people a chance to talk to each other and kind of, what did you do that for kind of uh, conversation, which I really liked about it. And it also gives them a chance, you give you a chance to reset for the next leg of the race. So I, I found that a real interesting way to do that. And that usually happens about once a book too. That's a, it's a kind of a thing, but it, it never bores me. I'm always, when they get to that place, I'm fascinated. Now, what are they going to say? Now, what are they going to do? So I think that's really well handled. As far as those things go. Thanks. I, I really like that. So now, now see, I got to ask about this. Uh, number seven has a little bit of a change, which I'm not going to spoil. But a lot of the times you talk about time jumps and stuff like that. How did you decide where to put these racers? Where to, What uh, historical events you wanted them to encounter? Um, well, as, as far as number seven goes, I'll just say that um, – that in the future, the present will be the past. So if you're if you're running the show, then the past has a whole different meaning to you than what someone in the 21st century has an idea of. Um, but as far as as far as the where, I, I I wanted to kind of avoid a lot of the the places you would, you would expect to go. Um, like time, time travel always does like the old West or, uh, or, you know, world war two. And we do, we do hit, we do hit Germany, but it's, it's cold war. It's East Berlin. So we're past the, uh, we're past 
the Nazi side of things and then more into the communist regime. Um, but I, I, so I looked for, I looked for just places that would be interesting and that wouldn't necessarily, necessarily have been well-trod ground. I mean, yes, we open with dinosaurs. You've got to open with dinosaurs. You know, I, did, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm as guilty as that as of anyone and I don't care. I'll, I'll own up to it. But, uh, beyond that, I mean, I, you know, you could, you could do Rome, but, or ancient Rome or ancient Greece, but then there's the whole, uh, the whole Constantinople thing, which is where they landed number two. And, you know, I feel like that's not something that's really been explored a lot in comics or actually in a lot of pop culture outside of like a, the, they might be giants cover of the song. Um, but, um, yeah, so that and, um, issue three, which takes place in ancient China, that was originally supposed to be a different location with a different kind of, uh, ticking clock issue. But my editor, my editor, um, brought up the point that where I wanted to put it, which was going to be in, uh, in Hiroshima in you know, during the world war two, um, that, that that might there would still be people from that time alive today and that could be a sensitive subject for some people and so which i totally understood i hadn't thought of that but she was 100 right so and that was great about having her having uh jasmine amiri my editor um there to kind of to kind of point that out to me because it made it made me dig a little deeper it made me go a little well okay what's something else we could do and then finding you know, I, I learned a lot about history that I that you know I had never heard of before during doing this, which was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And of course, on, on some levels, you're teaching history. Sure, when, sure. When we go through this, we find out some stuff. But there's one thing as a writer, I always have to give you credit for is making. You know, we're talking about all these characters you're juggling, but there are other characters that we encounter that I really get to like. I think there's a child that we mm-hmm. come across, and I really cared about that child and I'm not going to spoil the situation, but let's just say it's in a situation where, wow, I, w- I was like, Oh my gosh. You know, I thought, Oh, I, uh, is, is that, you know, is that going to go the way it looks like it's going to go? And I'm not, not going to spoil that either, but let's just say I, I cared about what was going on there. And this was a character you just introduced in that same issue. Oh, thanks. So Thank I you. just, I was like, wow, because, you know, I'm sure people are going to complain there's all these different characters. How do you keep track of all of them and stuff like that? But if, if if you're writing it well, and I think you are, I think you're keeping it so that they're interesting all the way. In. But even that one, you know, uh, red shirt kind of character, Star Trek would call them, right. you know, they're around, you know, we don't know what's going to happen to them quite, but uh, they are very much a a part of the story. And I really got to care about that, even though it was just a, somebody that was there just for a little while. I, I was very much interested in how that was going to resolve. And I thought that was, you know, I, when you've already got all these characters are going to be from issue to issue to for us to focus on, to bring in something like that, I thought that was really interesting. Even when they're in like the, there's a, in the middle of a war and somebody's speaking French and stuff like that, the, 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 uh, even those characters I, I had some feelings for because I was like, you know, war is tough stuff. And, and here they are. And suddenly this crazy thing happens in the middle of them. These cars, they have no idea what they are, show up in the middle of them. And I, was, I thought, 
you know, these poor people and all these things that are going on around them, you know, here you are fighting for your life and these this insane thing happens around you. Right. So right. I thought all this stuff was just, it just makes this book really engaging. I, I, I always say this about some comics, but it's the truth. I would love to see this be a TV show. <laughs> I really would. This could be a, a really interesting TV show. I, I, Sci-fi could do it. Uh, Netflix could do it, as far as I'm convinced. And I haven't even gotten to the end yet. We're still three issues from the end. And I'm already thinking, man, I hope that uh, Netflix is reading these books. Well, it's good I mean, stuff. I, I, I would love that. I, I would love that. I don't – I unfortunately don't have anything to say about that right now. But uh, but it's – Okay. <laughs> yeah, but um, it, it's hopefully if something comes together. Because I – you know, if nothing else, it would prompt – you know, it would prompt, you know, more, you know, only wanting to do more books. So hopefully that'll come to pass because I would love I would love that to happen. Because I could see in another and, I, and, and of course you deny this or whatever you want, but I could see a whole nother cast of characters hmm. in, the, in the next time around. Um, sure. So there's there's all kinds of now I've got to talk about the organizers of this, the people behind it, right. because they are fascinating, too. I. I I'm just stunned. Was it, how do you pronounce it? Kellex? Is that how you pronounce uh, the guy's name? In my, I, I pronounce it uh, like it's Casper Quellix is the guy. Quellix. Okay. Gotcha. Cause he's a really interesting character and he pops up every once in a while. And when he does, of course, everything goes right. all to smash when he's doing things. And gosh, I just, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated by it all. I'm just, I'm just intrigued by, you know, what these characters are going to do moving forward because, you know, you are setting up things that I, I don't know where you're going. And I think that's, you know, I thought with a race, it's going to be, oh, it's going to be pretty simple. I mean, they're going to drive. Certain people are going to have to drop out every once in a while and stuff like that. But I am really engrossed in what these people are doing and what's going on, you know, and where they're at. Because they seem to, not only do they get in this place, it's not just them knocking things over. They influence what's happening around them as well. Sure. So I am just, you know, I, I don't know what you're going to do. And I love that. I, I, I thought, you know, race is just somebody wins and everybody else loses, but you have set this up. So it's not quite that way. And I'm, you know, I'm, I just don't know what you're going to do. And that's why I'm anxious for 10 to get here because now I want to see what it is you're going to do. How you, if you're a good writer and, you, and I'm sure you are, is that you already have a fair idea where this is going to end. Sure. Sure. When you're writing this, I mean, detective stories are that way and races and stuff like that. You have a fair idea who's going to win. And for me I, and, and how it's going to resolve, I don't I, I just can't see this being like one winner. I have a feeling there's you've got other cards to play that are going to be fun to read. So I'm going to you know, I can't wait to see how this goes. I mean, January can't get here fast enough for me to see what, <laughs> what how this is going to work. I can neither confirm nor deny what you're saying, Wayne. <laughs> and that's good <laughs> because it, it's just one of those great books that always gets me. I, I you know, I, I, you have to dig around, I think, sometimes to find the really good stuff. And I think that Backtrack is one of those really good books that people really should know more about because, you know, the, the characters are vibrant, stories fascinating. I mean, it surprises me all the time. Like I said, I thought a race book was going to be rather dull. But, man, from the first book, I was I was transfixed. I had to know what was going to happen next. Oh, so that's something I, I just think that more comics, I wish there were more like that, that, that kept my attention. Because sometimes I start to read about halfway through and I'm going, oh, boy, 
Here we come. Same old, same old. But you don't do that. You know, you did that back with Krampus. I was not sure what you're going to do with that. And with this one, too, and your other books, too, I have to say, your writing is something that that just sparkles for me. I am just dying to see what you're going to do because you take stuff that are (laughs) – that other people might do rather – boringly maybe that's the way to say it but you never do that you always you you throw curveballs at me all the time and i'm always ducking going wait a minute he's gonna do what which i like (laughs) i love that i love that in a book especially being a longtime comic reader i just find that so engaging so i think you know if anybody hasn't gotten you know backstart yet this is the time to get our backtrack sorry backtrack make sure that you get it and and catch up with it with the trade and get the individual issues too as they come up. Cause I think it's, it's one of those books that, you know, I am just dying to read. So I, I think you will be too, if you get get started on it. Thank you. I hope, I hope, I hope publishers and editors are listening. Cause, cause I need work right now. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, backtrack two might come and you never know. We might see that. And it'd be fun to do. Which <laughs> leads me, of course, to other good things like that. Uh, uh, like I said, Krampus was where I, I pretty much came into your writing and stuff. Is that pretty much a done deal now? You you, you told Krampus pretty much you're going to get to tell? You know, I um, I would love to do more Krampus. Um, Dean Cotts, the artist, and I have talked about it over the years. But, um, you know, it really, it really ultimately falls to image and, and image – you know, it, it sold, it sold pretty well. Um, there were some issues getting the final issues, getting the final issues out. And then, um, there was kind of a, an unfortunate situation with the trade where the trade was printed overseas and it came, it was going to be released in December for in time for Christmas. And then there was a dock worker strike and it prevented the book from hitting until like the following month. So, so it never, it never really got in, you know, it never really got the uh, grand coming out for a trade that I, I wish it had. Um, And and because of that, because of that, you know, sales, sales have been fairly consistent over the years, but um, yeah, unfortunately I don't think it's enough for image to want to do more. I mean, Dean, Dean and I can take that property elsewhere, certainly, but you know, it's a matter of finding someone who wants to do that. So, and honestly, I he and I have both been busy with stuff, so we haven't really done a lot of looking around. But who knows? Well, I always tell the story about uh, uh, Klaus, which is Grant Morrison's holiday book. Yeah, it came out like issue one or something came out around Christmas, and the last issue in the first miniseries came out around May. And I remember thinking, I'm the only one buying this book because you know. Christmas is long gone. We're in the summer, basically. Right. They've gotten smarter since then. I don't know if you've noticed, but what they do now with Klaus, they do a one shot and it comes out the Wednesday before Christmas. See, and that is something that I, um, we talked about doing mm-hmm. for, for Krampus. Um, mm-hmm. Either that or like a three issue, like November, December, January build up and lead out kind of thing. But, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, you know, Image is doing their own thing, so I, yeah. I can I can respect that. But still, you know, it'd be it'd be cool to do more. Definitely, every time I see Dean, when I, he lives he lives back east, and I'm on the west coast. But every time I go to see go to a con and see him there, it's like it's like, hey, I got an idea for Krampus too. He's like, let me know, and then it's like, nah, you know, the real the world world gets in the way. But yeah, yeah, sadly, well, 
I hope. Someday I'd love to see some more of that. Uh, well, why don't we ca- catch up on like secret identities and imagine agents? How are those? Are, are those stories that you're going to come back to or have you got other uh, things we should know about? Um, well, you know, imagine agents. Um, it is, um, you know, it was optioned for a film with, uh, with 20th century Fox at the time. Um, I, I believe they were just called 20th century now. Um, and then the Disney merger happened. Um, so I'm not sure where that is yet. There's, I know there are some machinations happening in the background, but I don't have a concrete answer for you on where that's going to happen. But I do know that whenever it does happen, boom does want to do more imaginations mm, to, great. for that. So that, and that'll be, that'll be cool. Cause I, I, you know, that and Krampus were kind of the two books that after spending a long time trying to trying to break in, I, those both hit the same year for me. So those two are kind of, you know, very, very endearing projects for me that I would always love to go back to secret identities. You know, I, I co-wrote that with Jay Ferber who, you know, writes Copperhead and whatnot. And it's just hard to do a superhero book that isn't a DC or Marvel anymore. Um, so we, you know, we we had it blocked out for a ongoing series, and then by issue six, we got word that sales weren't great and Image wasn't, you know, really into going ahead with it. So we had to do like a fast wrap up. So mm. you know, if something if something were to happen in other media or something with it, I imagine that there'd be a way that we could go back to it. But I don't foresee that in the um, in the near future, unfortunately. Maybe you should stay away from image. Oh, you know, image. <laughs> image hey, I'm not. I'm not putting any blame on image. Um, <laughs> no, they're they're uh, you know they're good people over there, and it's just mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's just a matter of you know it's it's a business, and you know business you gotta you know you gotta cut your losses sometimes. Yeah, it's called show business for a reason. Exactly. Exactly. Yes, that's true. Well, I'll tell you, Brian, as I look forward to your stuff, and I'm, I am going to be with bated breath for uh, backtrack. Eight, nine, and ten. I'm just going to be fascinated to see how this all turns out. So, if you haven't gotten backtrack yet, this is your chance now. The trade paperback, the first one is coming. So now's the time to let your store know that you want that, and hopefully they can catch you up on the current issues and stuff like that since the the first five issues, and you get to to read it. It's a fun book. I, I even a series of movies. I, I like to stop Fast and Furious and start this out. <laughs> do this in its place It'd be great stuff it's really fun writing and just characters are fun like i said and i just i am dying to see how this wraps up i can't wait for january but uh as i say brian is you're, you're doing wonderful stuff as always I, I hope something rises up quickly if i know you you've got some ideas in mind already for things i've got, that a, few, I've got a few feelers out there yeah but we'll see we'll see how it, we'll see where it goes <laughs> well i'm sure it's going to be good stuff so i'll be on board when i see your name on something i buy it so it's great I stuff and when and christmas comes around i'll pull out krampus again and i'll give a read to that again and and enjoy that because uh that's always a good thing for, for the christmas season for me oh. so well, great you. stuff <laughs> All right. Well, well, Brian, you keep doing it. And man, I'm going to keep buying it. And it's just great stuff. And again, Backtrack from Oni Press. If you haven't gotten it yet, you can, if you need to, you can Comixology. You can go and get it in different places. It's available digitally. Paper is always nice to have. I think that that's, especially the trade is going to be fun to pull the trade out and have a good look at it and kind of dive in for, 
several issues like that. So just keep up the wonderful stuff, and I'm going to be I'm going to wait for backtrack. And you get something else coming down the line, let me know, and we'll talk again. Okay, that sounds great. And that's a wrap for this episode. Until next time, keep reading your comics. Yeah.